What's going on, party people? Man, yes. Need that energy. For those that don't know, we just got back from a youth trip, so I am, uh, I, need, I need all the, all the, the, the energy y'all got this morning. Uh, while we're having all that energy, will you guys do me a huge favor? There's a lot of people watching us online. Give them a huge round of applause. People on church, church platform, YouTube, Facebook, we love you guys. My name is Carson, I'm the Next Generation Pastor here, and I get the privilege to kick off an amazing new series called Making Waves. Did anybody enjoy making waves as a kid? Jumping in the community pool, doing cannonballs, anybody else? Just, okay, just a few of us, that's fine. Um, so for me, the best example of making waves actually came last July. We took the high school class of 2021 to Atlanta. We went out and hung out for a little bit, and we went to the Georgia Aquarium. And if you've never been to the Georgia Aquarium in Atlanta, you gotta go. It is epic. It is the most beautiful display of sea life that I have ever seen. And I, I've been to oceans and I dive, but nothing like this. And there was a student who she just, she wanted to get in the splash zone. That was like her only thing. Like she signed up for the trip, but she had to get splashed. That was her only goal in that trip. And so we finally get to this dolphin show and we get there and I let everybody get in first, and they tell you at the front, and they're like, yo, y'all got to be like 12 rows back, because everywhere before, you know, closer to that, you were in the splash zone. And so I walked in, and you know what? I don't want to get wet. I don't want to do that. I'm not a big thing of water. I walk in, and sure enough, she's sitting right there, row two. And she's like, Carson, I saved you a seat right next to me. I was like, okay. So I sat down. This may have been not like a pastoral thing, but I didn't want to sit there. So I said, hey, I got to go to the bathroom. I didn't have to bathroom, right? So I got up and I walked away and I waited long enough that would kind of be like a bathroom. And I saw there was another student who was sitting at like row eight. So if I'm going to get splashed, I'm just going to get a little bit wet. I'm not going to get drenched like she got. So I decided I'm going to sit by him because the show had started, everything was going. And the position of where I was sitting, we were sitting on the other side of the auditorium. So I kept like kind of looking back over at her. But about seven rows above her was this grandkid with, her, with his grandma. And this kid looked like he was ready for action. And he was like, either he didn't come in early enough or he just wants to be a dolphin in another life because this grandma was wrestling the entire time trying to get him to stay seated. Because they say, once we start, don't get out of your seat. You'll spook the dolphins, all that kind of stuff, right? And Every parent or grandparents had this, that moment when you looked away for one second too long, and in that second, he was gone like a bullet from a gun, and he's like chariots of fire, all three foot four of them just running with his, just his NASCAR shirt, just going as hard as he can down those steps. And the show was halfway going on, and so as he's running down, these dolphins, they start looking at each other, and they just, eh, 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 eh. and he gets to like row two, where that student I didn't want to sit with is sitting at. And he gets there, and them dolphins, they turned around, and they took their back tail and it went boom, and they hit this kid with the biggest wave ever. They smacked him. Kid goes flying back six rows. Security picks him up, just yeets him over to the, to the grandma, and they sit down, and he's just like, oh, my God, what just happened? And you look at the dolphins, and they're going back to the rack going, <laughs> they're laughing. They're intelligent, man. These dolphins knew what they were doing, but that... Even though that student got soaked and that kid got like just wrecked, it was a perfect example when thinking about this series because it shows us that just because you can make waves doesn't mean you should. Just because you can make waves doesn't mean you should. Unless you are living under a rock, 
or you've got a Blackberry or a Razor and you're just praying for the day that iPhones go away, it's hard to avoid things on social media. It's hard to avoid conversations. Just this past week, and I was in the mountains away from cell signal. As soon as I get into cell signal, Roe v. Wade opinions, inflation, political aspirations, Anger across all different forms of things. Off-season sports moves. Oh, he's going to the Panthers. He's going to be awful. He's this. He's that. So much so, even the hot dog eating contest that happened. People, there was a protester at the hot dog eating contest. Wait, is nothing sacred anymore? A dude just can't down like 80 dogs in peace? He's eating these hot dogs. This dude pops up, and Joey Chestnut, national, national hero, just headlocks him and throws him out. But it doesn't matter where we go. We are constantly faced with the question, should I respond? Should I make a wave? Should I say something? And a lot of us, because of how we grew up and the hurt in our lives, and the things in us, we, we feel compelled to do that regardless of what Christ tells us about how we should be living. Paul said this to reaffirm the gospel, Philippians 1.27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. The good news that Paul is talking about is that we are affirming each other even when we don't agree. We're standing unified even though we vote different. We're saying, I still love you even though I can't believe you did this. There is something about that love that Christ gave us to affirm. And if we're going to splash on each other, because in life, we're always going to splash. Some of us, we're really relaxed, right? We, we just kind of put a foot in the water. We kind of work our way in, especially if the water's real cold. And then there's other people like me that like to cannonball and just see everybody get splashed because everybody needs to get a little splashing of it. We can debate and we can still be nice to one another. We can disagree and still be friends. And we can even have opinions and aspirations that don't line up and still stay affirmed and unified in the good news that Jesus still loves all of us the same, regardless of how we feel. And so this series is going to look through the intentional times that Jesus made waves. This is a fill in the blank. Jesus was intentional every time he made waves. Now, whether those dolphins did it on purpose or not, it was funny, but Jesus didn't just make splashes against culture just to make things happen. He did it intentionally. He knew who he wanted to talk to. He decided beforehand that this is how I'm going to make a wave, a difference in this culture. And so we're gonna look in John 4 today, and some of you guys know the story in John 4, and if you haven't, I encourage you, it's not gonna be story time with Pastor Carson today, so you should go home and read the entire chapter. It's very good, but there are, we're gonna take sections of it because it's this beautiful moment where Jesus meets a woman at the well. He meets this woman that is outcast. She's no longer considered to be part of society. She is the lowest of the low, not just because of who she is, but because of the things in her life. And what Jesus does is he takes this woman where she is and connects with her and gives her the opportunity to see that it doesn't matter what you've done, what you've gone through, I love you. I'm providing living water for you, a life beyond anything that you have ever had. And all you have to do is be 100% with me. Open yourself fully to who I am and you will see a life that you could never have imagined. 
And so there are three truths. And so we're going to jump through sections of Scripture today, but I encourage you when you leave here today, when you're right home, it's a great conversation starter. Let's start with John 4. So John 4, chapter 7, or verse 4, uh, starting at verse 7, we get there's redemption in our rejection. The first fill in the blank. There's redemption in our rejection. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And so this moment right here, Jesus starts off a conversation by saying, hey guys, best friends, posse, crew, I need you guys to go away, go get supplies, go work on something else. I'm gonna do this just me. Now, I don't know if the disciples knew he was going to do something that was so counterculture, that was so unique, was going to make such a huge splash. But I can definitely tell us that all of us, we need to separate ourselves a lot of the times from our friends to really make impacts in people's lives or to be impacted ourselves because it's really hard to stand up in a crowd when all your friends are chanting the opposite of what you're saying. And it's really tough when you're saying the very thing they're saying and in your heart, you're like, man, I just don't, I don't agree with this. And so Jesus sends them away. He approaches her on, on her terms. Let, let's put ourselves in the mind of the Samaritan woman for a minute. You're, you're walking up a road that they say in the Bible for historical reference was one of the most dangerous roads outside of Samaria. And there's just this dude with a beard just sitting there smiling at you. If I was sitting on your front porch and you even know who I was and I just had a big old smile, I was like, hi. Every one of y'all that are laughing is like, honey, get the guns, get these audience. The pastor's at the house again. Seriously, there's this moment where Jesus, he's trying to make this woman feel as comfortable. Friends go away. I'm gonna wait for her. I'm gonna think through what I'm gonna say. Oh, they just posted this thing on their story. Did you see this? I gotta put, no, slow down. Don't immediately respond. Think about how the person you're gonna communicate with or you being communicated to is gonna feel about this. And he even says, please. I think we skip over that, the fact that Jesus asked a woman by cultural standards is so low, and then by being a Samaritan is even lower than that. And he even says, please. He shows in just that moment that you are worth more than everything society has said you are. I see the value in who you are, regardless of what people are saying. And this, this, is a, this is a courageous thing, but here's the reality about making waves, guys. Making waves doesn't make you courageous. Being courageous inspires you to make waves. Being courageous to step up and say, I don't like the way you're speaking about yourself. That's not how I see you. That's not how God sees you. You're worth more than that. That's you saying, hey, I don't think you should be judging yourself or being put in this, not because I'm trying to judge you, but because somebody else loves you, the same person that gave up his own life for you. Don't talk bad about my friend because my friend is worth more. Jesus is inspiring outcasts and misfits through their entire experiences because he's trying to show them that it doesn't matter if the entire world rejects you, there's redemption for you through me. There's redemption for you. And the problem is we get caught up in something, like we have one moment that seems to define us, right? This is for me. I, I was a little kid. I was like third grade. I went to a little like, you know, VBS camp, and I didn't like to talk in front of people. I know if you've met me, that's a shock because I can't stop talking. But there was this moment I was a kid, and they were like letting the kids get the mic and sing songs. I'm like, I got this. So I stepped up, and I grabbed that microphone, and I stood up there 
with whatever I was wearing. And I said, twinkle, twinkle, little star. I forgot the rest. And that was it. I forgot the song. I didn't know anything. I forgot it. And then that one moment from that camp to the next two years that I attended until fifth grade, that was the thing that everybody remembered. But then because that was the one thing they remembered, I felt like I had to somehow maybe adjust. So I'd bring up my, my parents' divorce. I'd bring up the, the fact that I didn't have a lot of money. I brought up the fact that I couldn't get new clothes because I was so ashamed of that one embarrassing moment. And for all of us, we have one little thing in our lives that has defined us and we're letting it define who we are and it's saying you're just a reject. And it's not who you are. When we reject redemption, we refuse to accept the past and the hope for the future. The Samaritan woman could have held on to the fact that, no, 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 you don't, you don't get to talk to me. I'm just gonna leave. But she bought in. I don't know if it was Jesus' kind words. I don't know if he had a kind face but she decided to sit and have a conversation. And some of us are so unwilling to sit for a conversation because we don't want to accept maybe, just maybe, there's something more. Maybe just because life gave me a whole bunch of lemons, maybe I can get something better than just this cheap lemonade. It goes on to say this, John 4, 4, 15 through 18. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. I mean, this living water that Jesus is talking about giving her then I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man that you are living with now. You certainly spoke the truth, sir, the woman said. You must be a prophet. Now this... Man, has anybody ever been to a condo? Anybody ever taken like the week long of the condo or a timeshare? Somebody, okay, okay, a few people. So you'll get this, right? You go to the condo or the timeshare, you want to get away, right? That's the whole goal of this is to get on vacation because I just want to get, I just want to go to the beach. I just want to enjoy the time, whatever it is. And every time you arrive, they're smiling and they're like, hi, welcome to the, the, the escapes. We're so excited that you're here. We just want to remind you that before you leave, you need to schedule that opportunity for us to tell you a little bit about how you can own a beautiful piece of property down here. You'll just give us one hour of your time. We'd love to schedule that for you. And there's no way to avoid it. Like, you can keep putting it off, but they're going to show up at your door and be like, hi, we're going to talk to you now. So you set it up usually for the first day, quick as we can do it, and you sit through that hour-long conversation, and you see the most beautifully perfected artwork of communication. Every joke, every smile, every point, it's like they've rehearsed it for years. And they're just excited, they're happy, they're ready to go, and they look at you and they say, now, how could we get you to sign on the bottom line to be a part of a beautiful experience here? And most of us, I think most of us, say that one thing that I've said a lot of times, which is, man, it's so good right now, but I'm really good, right? Are we good? I'm just not today. I'm gonna go to the beach, you know, clouds are coming in, I'll get a tan going, yeah. And in that one moment, that smiling, excited face of that leading person at that resort, goes from this to this. Because they want an answer right now. They want you to say yes right now. They, they want you to buy in right now. And there's no other way and no other time than right now. And the reality of it is, guys, is that a lot of us live our life that way and we spread the gospel that way and we love people that way and we get mad when they say, okay, I really thank you so much for sharing your testimony. Thank you for loving on me. I don't really know if Jesus is right now for me, but thank you. And then our response is, well, fine, enjoy hell then. And then we just walk away. We walk away. 
we get mad. We turn into that same person at the condo that says, but I just gave you life and goodness and graciousness and, and love. And we forget the fact that all of us once were the same woman being accosted by somebody saying, you're just all these things. Now, the difference here is that Jesus doesn't tell her these things to then bash her. He says, you're more than these things. But her response, sir, you must be a prophet. How many women, how many men, how many religious teachers, how many bosses and exes and people in her life have said, you're just a fill in the blank. And so this reminds us that there is hope for all of us harlots. There is hope for all of us harlots. I wanted to use hoes for that fill in the blank, but the staff is like, no, hold on, Jack Black, you can't be doing that. If you don't get that reference, you should go to our social media page. It was, it was pretty good. All of us are harlots. At the end of the day, all of us have brokenness. We have sins. We have things that we have done. And the first time in this woman's life, she gets the opportunity. She hears for the first time true living water. And just in the same way she probably heard it from so many other people, there's that catch. And Jesus isn't providing a catch that puts her away. He's providing her a catch for a living water that's different. And we'll see that in a few passages. It's not to judge her, but to free her. It's not to define her for the rest of her life, but it's all of the times that she has been put through all the different hurt in her life, being put in the fold to be honest with Jesus that I made a mistake and that doesn't define me. Whether you're, from, whether you're coming here from her church hurt you're tired of rules and regulations. You want grace and relationships. You've been living in a life of accusations instead of accountability. There's more to your life than the things that you have done and the hurt that you carry. Fill in the blank. The skeletons in our closet don't make us better than the scars we see on others. There's a lot of us that are sitting in our lives and we're sitting and we're hearing people give us that amazing salvation speech. There's a lot of us that are giving the speech. And we forget at one point or another, we sat in the same seat that they did. We sat at the well where Jesus met us and met us out of love, hope, and tenderness, not judgment, anger, and pick it now or go to hell. And that's not what Jesus wants. Jesus wants people to be saved. He wants people to have lives fulfilled. But if you're really living a life, if you're saying yes to something because you're afraid of something, that is not what Jesus wants. Jesus wants us to be honest with ourselves and honest with him. Next fill in the blank. Let Jesus know Letting Jesus know you're struggling, it's not a weakness, it is our greatest strength. It's the one thing that a field mouse, a rock, and an oak tree, I have never walked by them and seen them yell out to God. But all of us have mouths and we're the last persons to admit, I've messed up, I just need some help. Jesus, please come fix me. Come save me, come show me something different. He knows you and loves you and says you are beautifully made. And if you need reminders of that, there are great groups here for all ages, from kids all the way up to seasoned adults. Get connected because you can't live through life trying to do it on your own. It doesn't work because you'll be the only person that's reminding you of all the things that you're doing well or wrong as yourself. And regardless of what you say, oh, I'm a positive person, I'm an uplifting person. That's great. Psychology says that we're more negative and harsh to ourselves than we are positive. So even if you are literally on crack cocaine as far as loving and hyping and keeping yourself good, you are literally the Billy Mays of positive encouragement. Every morning you look up and go, we're going to get this, you and me, yeah. You're still saying more negative things to yourself. 
So stop trying to do it on your own and connect with people that will affirm you. They'll love you. They're not gonna say you didn't make a mistake. They're gonna say, regardless of your mistake, I love you and we're gonna walk through this together. And that's what Jesus did with this woman. He goes on to tell her that there is something more out of your life. I'm not just the next prophet, religious teacher, person, judgment in your life. I'm someone who's gonna tell you that yes, you've done these things, but it doesn't define you. It doesn't define you because in Jewish culture, people that were unclean, had, had multiple sins, had multiple different things, they couldn't accept time in the temple. They could not get saved. But Jesus comes here and he changes everything with this next passage. Jesus says this, it's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. It is letting God see you for who you are, which is how he always wanted you to be. Reborn, rebuilt, and remade every single day. But it's a decision that happens, and it's the third fill in the blank, from the inside out. It's from the inside out. It's the honesty of who you are. It's the honesty of how you look before Jesus. And that's showing him everything, the good, the bad, and sometimes the ugly. If, if you're a big sports fan in here, I mean, anybody remember the last dance documentary that came out, Michael Jordan, a few people? A few people? Okay. So... I'm a huge Chicago Bulls fan, and I grew up in the greatest time to be a Bulls fan, which was being born in the early 90s and getting to watch Michael Jordan stomp people to the ground. That was the best thing. And then he retired and went to the Wizards. We don't talk about that. But he, he, in this documentary starts talking about the run of the Bulls from the early, like late 80s into the, the late 90s and how dominant they were over everybody. But there were two moments in the documentary that blew my mind. The first one was when they went for a interview, Michael Jordan was being asked to sponsor a candidate openly about being on his political side of the fence. Now, the guy he was running against, the guy, not the one that Jordan was being asked to support, but the other one, he was an avid racist. He was against integration. He actually performed segregated school as being better. He was a lifetime politician, and according to most people, not a great dude. But when Jordan was asked to publicly endorse him, he said no. He said no, that's Republicans buy sneakers too. That was the phrase that was quoted. And people gave him all this type of hurt and backlash, but that's where he stood. He sent a contribution check, but he didn't stand up openly because of the connection he had with Nike and Air Jordans. And then in 1992, the Dream Team, for those that remember the Dream Team summer, when the U.S. destroyed everybody in the Olympics in basketball. Reebok sponsored all of the swag for them. And if you don't see some of the swag from the 90s, bro, it may make you go back and buy some 90s swag. I know it's Reebok, but still, it's good. And they're standing there, and one of the people that's over the committee says, you cannot get your medal unless you display the Reebok logo. Jordan, faithful to his sponsors, to the people that have supported him, that have been beside him, hides the logo dripped in an American flag. He is so 
excessively stubborn to say, I am not going to bend, I'm not going to break. This relationship is more important than anything else. And yet we're afraid to honestly say we believe that Jesus can change our lives. We will stand up and we will say thank you to Ford, Dodge, Chevy, and so many others. We will stand there like Ricky Bobby at a table and go, Lord, thank you, Jesus, for Gatorade, Taco Bell, the delicious McDonald's and everything. Woo-hoo. Could you ima- I mean, could you imagine if I got up here and I started running off the things that we have? Like, God, we thank you for air conditioning systems, community coffee for another saving of rough morning. God, we thank you that we have technology, we have AC, we have these things. And thank you, Holy Spirit. No, that would not be good. That would be awful. That'd be horrible if I thanked all these things and Jesus got the smallest patch on the flag jacket of our lives. That's not what he wants. He doesn't want to be the sponsor. He wants to be the owner of your life. God wants ownership, not sponsorship. That's your next fill in the blank. He wants ownership. He doesn't want to share the stage with anybody or anything. He wants you to show everything, all of you, every inch of who you are. Don't hold anything back because if he can look at a woman at the well who was an adulterer, who was hated, who was outcast, who was broken, bruised, and left alone and in charge and inspired her to change her city, what could he do with you? When God becomes the owner of your life, everything changes. It stops being about how God, how can I make a difference in this world? And it starts becoming, God, how can you use my life to make everyone else's better? How can you help me help others? Last verse, we're gonna close it out. John 4, 27 through 29. Just then the disciples came back. They were shocked. Remember how I said he sent them away? They weren't ready for it. They could not believe he was talking with that kind of woman. I love how the author puts that in there. Jesus got it. The disciples didn't. There's people in our lives that they just don't get it yet. Sometimes we got to love them by saying, we just need a little bit of space. I love you, but I'm doing something right now that's going to be changing somebody else's. It's not that I don't. It's not that I don't want to be friends. It's not that I don't think of you in a high way. I, I just, you don't get this right now. No one said what they were all thinking, but their faces showed it. That's what I also love about the the author. Like, that's like when you walk up and you know something's not right, and you're just like. Why is she here? I don't know. And it's just all the back and forth. But this 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 is how amazing and inspiring Jesus is. The woman took the hint and left. The woman took the hint. She knew it. She was like, oh, yeah, but I'm not standing up for what you're seeing anymore because I know what Jesus sees in me. In her confusion, she left her water pot back in the village. She told the people, come see a man who knew all about the things I did and who knows me inside and out. Here's what's so cool and amazing about that transition. Not just that she's inspired, not just that she knew more than the disciples did in that moment, but she left the very thing she went there to get to go for something totally different. 
She was going out to the well at noontime to get water. She meets a man who says, I know everything you've ever done, and that doesn't define you. You have a new life, a new purpose, a living water inside of you, and all you have to do is just be honest and open with me, and I'm never going to forsake you. I'm never going to reject you. I'm never going to treat you the way you've been treated. I'm going to stand with you through every single moment. And in that transition, the water she came there for just wasn't enough anymore. And I can't imagine how hot it is out there in the desert, but if it's anything like the Memphis heat, I wouldn't be leaving my water. I would be freaking out. But she had such a transition. It changed everything. And, it's, and this is how beautiful and amazing the power of Jesus Christ is in all of our lives. Once you have tasted hope, nothing quenches your thirst. Nothing. Once you have hope, that your life can be better than where it is right now, once you have hope that you can have restoration, once you have hope that your children will love Jesus the way you want them to, once you have hope that your grandkids smile, not because they're sad and they're trying to fake it, but that they're honest, once you have hope that surpasses and goes beyond anything in this world, there is a freedom to fail, there's a freedom to succeed, there is just freedom. Freedom to just stand firm in whatever Jesus is going to put you through. And this is how cool it is. Hope in Christ changed this woman's life forever. Because in that city of turmoil, disillusion, and disconnect, a woman who had no freedom before ran back telling everybody, inspired, changed her city. Isn't it crazy how Jesus used the most disconnected, outcasted woman who had no reason to have hope to go before him to show people there is hope. There is hope. There is hope for us. There's hope for this city. There's hope for our families. And it's, it's the same question that Jesus asked that woman at the well. You want to drink? Do you want to keep drinking of the life water that's here on earth that's just going to keep you coming back thirsty or do you want my water? Do you want living water? Do you want a purpose in a life that you don't even know yet? But I know it. So are you guys thirsty for more? Are you ready to change your city, to change your family? Because Jesus is right there at the well, ready to meet you, ready to equip you and empower you, and ready to let you be the same charging voice that left the water at the well, but is now carrying new living water. Can I pray for you guys? Can you pray with me? God, thank you so much for living water. Thank you that you have the ability beyond anything else in this life to define us. It's a nutrition that doesn't just feed us. It's a nutrition that rebuilds our spirit. It's a living water that never lets us go thirsty. It reminds us that there's hope. It doesn't matter how dark our life is right now. It doesn't matter how many things we have walked through or been carried through, God. We are still loved by you. And that living water is right there to us every single time we need a drink. God, continue to shape our lives and show us how we can take that living water and step into the moments where we can change somebody else's life, not to beat them down, not to hurt them, but on their terms know Jesus is here waiting for you every single day. 
There's some people in this room that have never experienced that living water. They don't know what it's like to have this, this power inside of them, this refreshing water that gives life to their soul and their spirit. And so I want to give you, if that's you here this morning, I want to give you a chance. If you feel like I've never had that opportunity and you want that living water, I don't want to call you up front and embarrass you. I just want you to raise your hand where you are so I can pray for you. So if you want that living water that washes all of us clean and brings life back to your bones in your soul, just raise your hand for me so I can pray for you. One, two, you're not alone. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, you're not alone. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Father God, I love you and I thank you for these 15 people. I ask right now that you save them. You flood through their soul. You embrace them with purpose. You embrace them with power. You show them that they are not what the world has said. They are not what their own voices have said. They are affirmed and created by a God who never made a mistake and uses every single story to change this world. God, I ask that you surround them with people that will hold them accountable, that will love them, that will walk with them through whatever they're walking through. God, thank you that you give us grace, love, and mercy every single time. Thank you, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, stay with us through everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thank you for hanging out with me this morning. If you are one of those people that made a decision for Christ, I encourage you. There's a free book down here at the front. We would love for you guys to come take that out. It's a great way to get a jump start into this thing called following a faith in Jesus. If you need prayer for anything, you can scan the QR code or go down here to the cross. The people that are down here would love to pray with and for you. You guys will stand with me. We'll say the benediction and we will jet on out of here. Lord, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our Lord, our strength, and our redeemer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, y'all. Love you.